A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Danielle Rudeutchen, and welcome to My Big Idea, a podcast from ASOS celebrating young businesswomen. Today, my guest is Sabrina Lee Hammond. Sabrina is founder and creative director of Behind the Glass, a company which creates bespoke window displays and installations for brands. Here's Sabrina's big idea. Hello, Sabrina. Hi, Danielle. How's it going? Good, thank you. Welcome to the My Big Idea podcast. Thank you for having me. How's it going? It's going well. It's going really well. What have you been up to this week? Um, it's been a busy week, mostly design-based, so creating mood boards, doing a lot of concept drawings, 3D drawings for a variety of projects that we've got coming up. What kind of projects are you working on? Um, I don't know if I can say too many details, but one's for a department store, um, a pop-up that's going to be over up over Christmas. And another one will be an event, like a birthday kind of event theme, brand dinner uh, at, Sofo, uh, <laughs> at Soho Farmhouse. And the, sec- and the third one is for um, a company that's having an exhibition space. Amazing. So you've got your fingers in lots of different pies. Um, so you do window displays, uh, among other things. Um, can you explain to me a bit more about what it is that Behind the Glass is? So Behind the Glass London is for fashion retail. We do set design for brand dinners, events, window installations and in-store displays. I started off doing set design at St. Martin's and I realised that there was, in, after freelancing for a long time, I realised that I wanted to create experiences for, and change myself for different brands so as a set designer I realized that a lot of set designers who are really successful have really strong identities and themes so you really recognize their work when you see them but I felt that my work was better adapted and changed so after freelancing I realized that um, I wanted to create a niche and work with brands and adapt myself for those brands. So I did. I remember. Did, I did you always know you wanted to do set design? When, when did that sort of. Was there something that sparked that idea or did you just sort of organically go into it? What when happened? I was at St. Martin's, they'd make you try loads of different pathways and foundation. And then for my degree, I went to performance design and practice, which they kind of let you do a lot of things. So set, uh, set design, mostly. Th- it's not theatre-based, but it's quite theatre-based, if that makes sense. Um, what does you... that mean? I'm imagining you doing sort of mime and stuff. What does, what so does that mean? The, the briefs that you design can be for any, any space that you want, but most of the briefs that you get, you design for theatre. So you can do theatre... De- like theatre, set design, costumes, script writing, they'll quite let you try loads of different pathways. And I remember having one tutor in foundation when I was deciding what course to go on and he made me explain like the last film that I went to go and see and I said to him that I couldn't remember the storyline of the film but I could tell him everything that happened in the background, the scene changes. 
I can't remember. It was a while ago. And I just remembered everything that happened in the background. And he just said, have you ever considered doing set design? And that's why I decided to go down that route. Wow, that's pretty um, prescient of him. Yeah. And then when I was in my degree course, my final year project was for Martina Crimp's attempts on her life. And I put it in the context of um, window installations at Selfridges. So I went and did work experience at Selfridges and did some work experience there and I realised that I actually quite quite like creating things from 2D to 3D that the public can interact with rather than just solely for a photo shoot or fashion shoot. So that's why I decided that I wanted to pursue the window installations route. So that's where Behind the Glass London came from. And what gave you the idea for that name? I don't know, I was just having loads of different thoughts and writing down loads of different things and I, was, and I just thought initially I thought I was just going to be solely based in window installation so being behind the glass is something that I was always doing even if I was freelancing or work experience and I did stuff for Liberty and I was always behind the glass so I think that name just <laughs> I think it's a up. great name thank you so you did the project for Selfridges and that was your first gig in a way and then how did it that was for my degree for my dissertation and once you finished and graduated what were your did you know at that point that you wanted to set up your own company or how did that happen no so I basically freelanced for loads of different set designers and realised then that it was quite hard at first there was a lot of competition. There was a lot, like you. Who go, are the big names? Who are the other big names in set design that you're competing with? I wouldn't say competing with, but one one lady that I did a work experience with was Shona Heath. So she's way out of my league, onto another level, but she's fantastic. And but she had quite a lot of assistance at the time, and she was really involved, and it was incredible experience. But I realised that quite a lot of. So you did work experience with her. With her. What did you learn? I learned a lot. Um, she teaches you, she makes mini shoners, if that makes sense. So she teaches you how she paints and 3D and how, and she shows you a bit behind the scenes of the larger scale, like Vogue shoots, which is exciting. So then back to your company, so when did you decide to launch it? So I was freelancing, doing loads of jobs, and it was actually, I applied for a job at Burberry and I didn't get it and I went through quite a lot of rounds and then I was speaking to my dad and he said why don't you just go for it by yourself and then I just thought why not and I just went for it and I just didn't look back (laughs) so talk me through actually setting it up for somebody who's never set up their own company before and wants to what are the steps you went through I mean, it was quite simple. So <laughs> I think I went on a website called like Companies for You or Simple Companies for You. I bought the bought my name, realised that they, they they had it, so it was available, which was great. You mean like the URL? Yeah. Domain name, yeah. Yeah, my name, and then I also set it up as a. I went to HSBC, which is my bank, set it up with them. I went to. Yeah, and then I started my own website, but I just, I think it's called Format. Did it cost you any money to set it up? No, nothing at all. So I set it up, and I was still freelancing at the time. Sorry, what's Format? So it was a website, online website portfolio that I used initially at the beginning. I think it's 
three, four dollars I might have changed. And what's that for? So just I uh, put my work online. So I put my work online as Sabrina Lee Hammond, but said that I was launching Behind the Glass London, which does fashion retail, uh, pop-up events, brand dinners, window installations. So I had an online platform so people could search and find me. And then, okay, so you set up the... And then, so you were on Folio, then you set up your own company behind the glass. Um, and tell me how you got about securing your first clients then. So... Because I think you've worked with some really impressive people. I was looking on your website and you've done um, events. You know, you've worked with brands like Argon, you already mentioned Soho House, um, Urban Decay... Topshop, Selfridges. I mean, it's really impressive. Um, Tell me how you got in touch with these guys. So, I did a lot of stalking on LinkedIn, (laughs) and I tried to stalking, and I tried to find out who worked within the visual merchandising team because I didn't know a lot about the structure inside a company like, say, Harvey Nichols, for example. So I was emailing loads of different people, and it was my mum that said why are you emailing everyone? Why don't you just go in in person and speak to someone? And I thought, well, if I go in in person, I'm just going to hand a CV, like a piece of paper. So I thought I had to create a different way of making my CV. So I made a viewfinder <laughs> and had mini, mini like, images of work that I've worked on, put it in the viewfinder and then gifted it, illustrated the box and then walked into... I made, I made multiple of them and walked into like Liberty, Harvey Nichols to reception and just said that this well, you didn't even have an appointment? No, I just, I just went wow. in. Wow. Because when Brave. you email, you can normally just go to HR yeah. and then it might get lost. So I remember even Liberty, it didn't lead anywhere, but I remember even going into the security section around the back, which is the entrance, which I know from doing work experience, and leaving it there and then emailing one of the ladies and being like, can you come downstairs because I've left something for you. <laughs> Did they think you were a bit crazy, do you think? <laughs> no, because it got me my first job in Harvey Nichols, so, so that was great. They gave me the first floor... Uh, which is high designer fashion to do an installation and it was Olympic theme and they wanted me to make mannequin headpieces and I hadn't had much experience in making mannequin headpieces but I designed it, got stuck in, went for it and they really loved it and then I had to create my next installation there which they ended up keeping the mannequin headpieces in and then I had to incorporate something else. How did you know how much to charge for your work? I didn't. <laughs> so that's something that maybe I'm even still learning. Um, because I hadn't had much experience in that with freelancing and internships, I realised at the beginning I was really underpricing myself, which is fine, but now I'm starting to realise and learn, oh, okay, so this person does this kind of work and they charge X amount of money. So it just it took me a while, but at the beginning I was undercharging and just you just learn through experience and just trying and I mean I didn't mind working when I realized I was kind of like wow when I was getting up at 5am and finishing at 12pm there's a lot of hours to work for nothing but if you're passionate and and you really want it at the end of the day the hours that you put in say the hours that I put into my work sometimes it's ridiculous all day, every day, and you have to love it. So 
at the beginning, I was more... It was more important for me to secure the clients rather than the money and let the money come later. And now do you tend to overcharge or undercharge when you're pitching? What's, what's the best approach, do you think? So I normally ask them what the budget is and then I normally work towards that. Certain clients that I have, I, I don't overcharge. I always try and work within their budget so that they know that I'm reasonable and they'll come back to me again and sometimes I don't take any money from myself um, and put everything into the set if the budget's really small and I kind of just work it like that. So there's no real structure on how I do it. But yeah, just I work towards their budget each time. And what's your office set up? So at the moment, um, well, in the middle of moving studios... Actually, so based, where, are you, where, where are you based? I'm in Dalston at the moment. So East London, yeah. I was working from my bedroom at home, and I got a project with John Lewis, and it was they were opening a store in York, and I was making loads of mannequin pieces and accessories, and you know it was getting quite crazy. And my friend at the time said, "Why don't we open or get a studio ourselves?" And I was like, "Oh, it's going to be expensive." I don't know if I want to take that commitment. And she's like, you're crazy. Let's just do it. And so we got a place in Dalston and it was really cheap. And I was like, why not? And then we've been there ever since. And then since, and then now I realise that I need more space and I can't work <laughs> with everything piling up. Is that up because you're hiring peep staff or so was it props? For projects and props and everything. So... A lot of things I keep and reuse, and some things I just like to keep in general. Where's a really good place to go? What's an online resource that's really good for props and the kind of things that you use? Everything that we make is customised. So, but I mean, say for example, I discovered when I was freelancing DZD in Tottenham Court Road. DZD. DZD, and you can oh, buy. Oh, DZD. And you right. can buy. They do lots of stuff for visual merchandising, but they buy things like baubles in all different sizes, all different colours, and if you use your imagination, you can change them into anything. Are there any um, Instagram accounts you follow purely for visual inspiration? or how, Where do you go for inspiration? Pinterest. It's a shame because I used to... Well, What do you search for on Pinterest? Installations, artists, more than other set designers and what they're doing I like to look into artists installations exhibitions I mean I used to take magazines and rip out pages and then save all the pages and every time I had a project go back to the file where I've kept all the flower papers or I've kept all the white space installation pages and all the things that I've ripped out but now I don't really buy magazines so much and that culture's kind of changing and so since Pinterest everything's found online and I just store lots of folders on my computer and then just go back for it for references. What's the favourite project you've done so far? Describe it to me. Favourite project actually would have to be the first brand dinner I did for UGG at Soho Farmhouse because I hadn't done a brand dinner before and it was really exciting because I got to go to the space which was fairly new at the time it was just just opening and we took over the hay barn which is a space at Soho Farmhouse and it was 
working with the florists there on site, designing all the dinner settings, making all the accessories for the dinner, designed the lighting, so we did lots of projection, so we wrote our classic escape as projection. And I remember one of the girls that works for UGG, that I work closely with, she walked in and I was like, if you love it, scream. And she screamed and I was like really happy and it was a really <laughs> successful. And then we did the same thing the following year for Rosie Hunter and Whiteley and then she followed me on Instagram, obviously because she liked it. So I was like, wow, that's pretty good. Amazing. <laughs> and what's next for you in terms of your company? I think just as I'm growing, I'm learning more. So I think just to grow continue to grow with clients gain new clients and just see where it takes me I don't have an end result I'm quite hands-on so I'm always involved in every project making I'm learning more to delegate as the jobs get larger but I'm still extremely involved who do you delegate to? so I have for each project I have some really strong assistants that I bring on board are they freelancers? That freelancers you... yeah how and do you find them? some of them come to me it all depends, really. I get a lot of emails. Um, one girl, Karina, who is who I really love working with. She, I was in Apple buying a charger, and she worked in Apple. And I can't remember how the conversation got started. But she just asked me what I do. I don't know if I had paint on me. And she was an illustrator. I felt, saw her Instagram and knew that she had quite a good flag, nice style. And I said, why not come on board the first project? And then she's been with me ever since, so that's quite nice. Finally, for anyone who's thinking about starting a company similar to yours, what would be your advice? My advice would be just go for it. I think give it 100%. Whether you're working from your bedroom, working from an office, a family home, I think as long as you've got the ambition and the drive and you put thoughts and kind of some sort of plan into action then and just don't look back because I think that's what I did. I mean, as soon as my dad was like, why don't you just go for it by yourself? I was like, okay, why not? And, you know, and now I've had friends who've started their own companies and then they say how did you start it and my boyfriend starting a new venture and you know it's nice because then you realize everyone around you there's there'll be people that you can ask for help or get advice to or people who are in the same position as you as well so i would just say just go for it that's really good advice all right sabrina thank you so much thank you for having me that was sabrina lee hammond talking about her company behind the glass I'm Danielle Radoichen, and you've been listening to My Big Idea, a podcast from ASOS. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.